Dissecting Dexter is brought to you by Audible.com. For your free audiobook download and free trial, go to www.audibletrial.com slash Dexter. Hello and welcome back to Dissecting Dexter, the spoiler-free podcast dedicated to the Showtime series Dexter. I'm your host, Gareth Watkins, coming to you, as usual, from the mobile studio, deep in the heart of rural North Yorkshire, England, where it's a nice, warm, calm midsummer's day. And I thought I'd risk it, record from inside the studio. Uh, I say risk it because I have attempted recording at least a couple of times this season and regretted it because I have to keep the windows shut when I'm recording in here because it well I'm in a car park as you know and I record at lunchtime and people approaching their cars which are parked around me and um, I, you know, I don't want to get a reputation for the person who uh, talks to his imaginary friend Dexter at lunchtimes uh, so I try to keep the windows shut and just, just save that, save a little bit of dignity. Um, I have recorded outside a couple of times as well this year, and again, that's fraught with risk. Uh, risk from insects and brambles, and I even encountered a flea on one occasion, uh, which didn't last long on the back of my hand, I assure you. Little bugger, that got sent packing. Uh, so yeah, inside the studio today... It's alright so far, I'll let you know if it's not. <laughs> so, yeah, we're into the second half of this final season, and I think things are starting to take shape for what the end game might be. There's tension starting to simmer away there, and um, I don't know if I've got the most warm and, and fuzziest of glows <laughs> about what's going on. We'll get into that. Um, I just wanted to bring a little bit of news about some of our Dexter people uh, and life after Dexter, because of course life does go on. And, and we talked a week or two ago about Scott Buck and how he's been uh, kept on by Showtime to develop new projects, um, maybe even a Dexter spin-off, and we've talked about that as well. There's a lot of theories going around that the spin-off might involve the actor who plays Zach Hamilton, Sam Underwood. And that his character has been introduced to set up what might be a Dexter spin-off. Now, I can neither confirm nor deny whether that is on the cards. What I can say is that Sam Underwood is not short of work. <laughs> um... I had heard that he had been signed on to star in season two of The Following, which, as you know, is a um, a show that does have some connections to Dexter, not least thematically, in that it's about a serial killer, or serial killers. Uh, there is also the connection of one of the showrunners, Marcos Siega, who was a regular director on Dexter in the early days. Uh, Sam Underwood has been signed on to play a bad character, a bad person, for season two. Also signed up by the following is one of the Dexter writers and producers, none other than Scott Reynolds, who gets a regular mention on this show uh, because of his work on the Dexter Wrap-Up podcast. So, um, very interested to... Um, well, 
I, I can't remember how much I've talked about the following on this podcast before. I've certainly addressed it on Gareth's Waste of Time. It's a show that I was interested in enough to watch through its first season, but it's it's pretty hokey, really. It's a show that you do have to um, kind of uh, leave your sense of disbelief at the door <laughs> when you come in. Um, it's it's oh, what's it like? It's kind of uh, sort of a twenty-four-ish serial killer show. Um, Whereas 24 would have moles coming out of the woodwork at inopportune moments, so the following has uh, serial killers and, and um, serial killer supporters popping up out of the woodwork at, at the wrong moments. Yeah, I, 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 can't really, I can't really say too many great things about it, just that it kind of... I'd, I'd got so far into it and I thought, well, I'll, I'll see where season one goes. And it wasn't that great by the end of the season, but now that Scott Reynolds is on board, I kind of want to see if things get any better. Now there'll be some major Dexter influence, as if Marco Siega wasn't enough, and evidently, certainly in my opinion, he, he wasn't. Um, the other showrunner is Kevin Williamson, uh, who you know has, has quite a, um, a career behind him already. And now Sam Underwood's on board... I don't know whether I've seen enough of his performance as Zach Hamilton to, for that to be a selling point for me. Uh, ask me again at the end of the season. So I, I'll leave that there. But I'm encouraged that Scott Reynolds is on board. And, and good luck, Scott. All the best, mate. Um, and I mean that sincerely. <laughs> I really do. All right, let's 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 get into this week's episode. I don't want to waffle too much. It's Season 8, Episode 7. Episode titled Dress Code. Original air date, 11th of August 2013. Written by Erica Lisanne Mitman, directed by Alex Sakharov. Uh, quick word about Sakharov. I... He's from Russia. Used to be a cinematographer for HBO on shows like Game of Thrones, The Sopranos, Rome and Sex in the City. He moved into directing more recently and has directed episodes of Boardwalk Empire, Rubicon, Chicago Fire, Game of Thrones and now two episodes of Dexter after working on Do the Wrong Thing last year. So I'm not sure if I've given this little bio. So I hesitated when I mentioned his name because I, I wasn't sure if I said much about him last season. So apologies if I've repeated myself. Of course, long term listeners will say, Gareth, you repeat yourself every podcast. <laughs> there, I said it before anybody else does. Never let it be said I'm not self-deprecating. <laughs> right, onwards, the review. Here we go. Well, this whole episode felt a lot like film noir. The femme fatale an old flame returning to the scene of crime's past, once again to tempt our hero into maybe doing something he shouldn't, rekindling old feelings, wanting him to kill her abusive husband, then the jealous other woman following them while she herself has someone vying for her affections. It's all stuff of classic film noir from the 1940s. You almost expect Peter Lorre to pop up at any moment. And actually... It made for quite an enjoyable tone for the episode. That said, as we get into it, we'll pick up on the weaknesses, but I did appreciate the tone. We had two very clear 
strands to this week's episode, focusing on the pupil-teacher thing between Dex and Zack, and then the renewed triangle of Dex, Deb and Hannah. Nearly everyone else taking a back seat, Batista, Quinn and Jamie hardly appearing, while Masuka and Nikki had a bit more. In fact, we saw rather a lot more of Nikki than we might have bargained for. While I still don't especially care for what happens between these two, it was good to see them resolving the dispute from last week, and Nikki calling him Dad was a nice touch. The restaurant scene was fun. I use the phrase restaurant because that's the phrase they used on the wrap-up podcast this week. Uh, Masuka and Nikki both uh, being interviewed, or I should say um, C.S. Lee and Dora. Oh, what's her bloody name? <laughs> what's her surname? Mental blockage. It'll come to me in a bit. Um, they were interviewed and referred to the scene as, as the restaurant scene, which I thought was quite apt. It was funny because in this scene, Masuka's normally the one doing the ogling. Boobs are his friend, but not today. <laughs> and it was fun how unabashed she was, Nikki, making no effort to cover herself up as she sat opposite her dad. Props to her for not being um, embarrassed for being free and liberated and not ashamed of her job. But when you're sitting opposite your dad... <laughs> I loved how uncomfortable Masuka was. Daughter boobs. <laughs> it was a nice scene. I was paying attention to the actress's performance this week. Dora Burge. Burge? Burge. Dora Madison Burge. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. I knew it would come to me. She made her name on Friday Night Lights, a show I've never watched, but her performance on Dexter has intrigued me of late. Well, not of late, since she first appeared, because I've not been quite sure if she's not, if she's maybe not a very good actress, or actually giving a very natural and real performance. Oh, excuse me, sorry about that. Burping. Um, Dora's delivery feels very relaxed and natural to me like she's trying not to act but she does do this thing of going up at the end of every sentence like she's always asking a question even if she's not she was on this week's wrap up podcast and she speaks like that in real life so I don't know really <laughs> I think she's okay for the role I think she makes the character real do I say that with conviction? <laughs> yes, yes, I'll stick to my guns, yeah. <laughs> right, so, back to Dexter himself and his plotline with Zach Hamilton. I did appreciate Zach using his initiative and taking steps to getting Quinn off his back. He just couldn't go on with Quinn watching him all the time. Dexter's been there himself before, having a tail, preventing him from doing his thing. Remember how he had to take steps to get Dokes off his back in season two. Zack's actions weren't in the same league dramatically. But Matthew's told Quinn to back off, and that's that. Maybe. <laughs> As we know, it wasn't the end of things with Dokes. And Quinn won't stop feeling that Zack killed Norma Rivera, but does he risk his career to pursue it? He and Dokes, of course, are very different animals. Dexter looked genuinely impressed, Zack taking the initiative like that, taking action in a smart way, using his head. And that's something Dexter would have looked to teach him. Be smart, use his head. Don't make rash, 
knee-jerk reactions. Dexter, though, is not used to being a teacher. He's got all the knowledge, definitely, but he's also got his own life to lead, and let's be honest, he was rather preoccupied this week. But it left Zack dangling, desperately keen to learn, looking up to Dexter as a mentor, being pushed by Vogel to learn, learn this code that's kept Dexter going for over 20 years as an active serial killer. Clearly the code works for him and Zack doesn't want to get caught, so obviously this code is worth knowing. But Dexter was taught the code from an early age. At the very least, he was under the tutelage of a father figure before his attentions ever turned to killing a human. Zack has already killed. He's had no guidance. He's much more of a loose cannon, as this week showed. It's the nature versus nurture thing again. Like we talked about way back in season one on the rewatches, comparing Dexter to Brian. Brian grew up with no guidance, no nurturing, and look at what he turned into. Zack could be in a very pre precarious position where he could quite easily go the same way if he doesn't get Dexter's guidance, or doesn't listen to it. And to be fair to the kid, he did try. He goes looking for Dexter, resorting to visit his apartment again after he'd already been told not to go there ever again. He's got these urges and they're building up. He's jonesing. He can feel it and he tries to turn to Dexter for direction, but Dexter's busy, of course, off messing around with Hannah again. Dexter's been there himself, where he's not been able to kill for one reason or another, and it's driven him nuts. But because he's had that teaching... He's learned, he's got the code, he's, he's learned to be patient. He's managed, he's coped. In a scene with Zack this week, Dexter mentioned about patience, when Zack was raring to go and finally be free from Quinn. Long before my father taught me how to do what I do, he taught me how not to do it. Why would I want to not do it? Timing is everything. One thing you need to learn, the first thing that I had to learn, was to wait. Control your urges, channel them appropriately. Dexter, I can't wait. I can't control it. Yes, you can. You're gonna get your chance, Zack, I promise. But the only way I've survived as long as I have is by being careful. I'm gonna teach you how to do that. And then? And then you'll be able to do what I do. Get away with it. It was a nice moment of teacher instructing pupil with vital advice. Exactly the kind of thing this kid, this kid needs. But it wasn't enough. He needs reeling in to be kept close and reassured. Zack's urges were evidently boiling over. And he went back to Dex's apartment in desperation. Cussing and cursing when he wasn't there. Hello, Cassie. And goodbye, Cassie. <laughs> Another messy kill. Reminding Dexter what a loose cannon Zack is and how desperately in need of guidance he is. More than he realised. Had Hannah not been around, Dexter might have been able to give him more attention and perhaps prevent Cassie's death, but we'll never know now. One of the key differences between Dexter and Zack is that Dexter's darkness was born out of experiencing something unbelievably traumatic and horrific at a vulnerable age. 
It's what instilled our sympathy back in season one. It gave birth to this darkness that Harry recognised and worked with Vogel to channel. Successfully. And it was some time before Dexter actually killed anyone. He was 19, did he say? Zack has had none of this. And we don't yet know what gave rise to his darkness. Did he experience something traumatic? Was he born this way? But it means I personally don't feel any sympathy for him at the moment. He's just a cold killer with no redeeming backstory. I don't buy Zack's dad cheating on his mum as a reason enough to turn into a serial killer. There must be more to it than that, wasn't there? And if that's all it was, it's hardly in the same league as witnessing your mum being chainsawed to death and sitting in a pool of her blood for days. And Zack's killed already, of course. Any help he's getting is a bit late in the day. Also, there's the thing we talked about last week. What reason has Zack got to stick to the code? Dexter had a sense of loyalty and respect for Harry, but Zack doesn't. His only motivation might be to just not get caught. Although, as time goes on, maybe he'll have a sense of wanting to make Dexter proud. He already seems to admire him. He was full of enthusiasm for helping Dexter at the Red Coral Club. Ultimately, Dexter could become a surrogate father figure to him, given that he wanted to murder his real one. So, for me, there are big differences between the two of them, and it remains to be seen whether we'll end up caring about Zack. For now, I don't. I'm just fearful of him, and what impact he could have on Dexter's life and the lives of those around him. Let's turn to the other big story of the week, and one that split opinion again. <laughs> First thing, how did a slip of a girl like Hannah manage to drag Dexter's body to her car and hoil it into the back? Minor detail. But she wanted to get Dexter to kill her husband. Now, there's a thing. <laughs> it's only been six months since she escaped, and she's already married. She's a fast mover, isn't she? But I thought it crazy that so soon after all that, she's returning to the city she escaped from. That's a massive risk, and she's not even lying low. She's parading around town, all doled up on the arm of a casino mogul, going to all the posh Miami clubs. And it's not like she's a nondescript girl. She's a bit too good-looking, and the, the sort who might turn heads and get recognised. I know by the end of the episode, it's clear she's still got feelings for Dexter, and love does make people do crazy things. We talked about this very point last season in relation to Dexter having his judgement clouded. Oh, here's a point, just as an aside. Dexter said to Vogel, Hannah's not a psycho, she's got feelings. Did anyone else think, hang on Dex, you've got feelings mate. But I digress. Of course, as I always do. <laughs> Hannah's still got feelings for Dexter and clearly Dexter feels the same about her. They had such a big impact on each other's lives. As Hannah tells him, Despite the shitty way that it all ended, you were it for me, Dexter. I've never felt that way about anyone before or since. You're the only person that I can be that honest with. And I didn't want to ruin that by manipulating you into doing something that might be bad for you. was the same for me. That was a nice little speech. 
And even though they're both killers in this crazy TV show, it's all relative, and the romantic in me finds her words resonating. They could have been so good for each other, had she... And this is something Dexter seems to have conveniently forgotten. Had she not tried to kill his fucking sister? It's no minor detail. It's the reason Dexter chose Deb last season. It's a major thing. She tried to kill Deb and then lied to him about it. It's not a solid foundation on which to build a lasting relationship, is it? If she could do it once, what's to stop her doing it again? If Deb or someone else gets in her way. I know Dexter might be swept up in the emotions rushing back, the old lovey-dovey feelings, but it's only been six months. Not very long to forgive and forget something as bad as that. Now, I know it pained him to turn her in. He loved her. It would hurt. But he loves Deb too. He made his choice. He feels bad about what he did, sure, but he wasn't left with much of a choice. For me, as a viewer, it would have been nice if Hannah had acknowledged what she did in that scene in the greenhouse, apologised, say she wishes things had turned out differently, something like that. Instead, it feels like the elephant in the room. But I can perfectly buy the feelings coming back, if they ever properly went away. Love like that is rare, and they both know it. But, there's always a big but, isn't there? The effect on Deb is worrying. In the first scene, when she picks up Dexter, you can see the cracks threatening to open up straight away, the quiver in her voice. Hannah didn't start Deb's decline, but she was a big part of it. Deb was already in a state from the big discovery about her brother. But the moment she asked Dexter to kill Hannah, that was a dark moment for her character, crossing a line she'd never crossed before, sending her on that downward spiral that culminated in the container with LaGuerta. Asking Dexter to kill Hannah. Massive moment that started to destroy everything she'd previously stood for. All her integrity, her life as a police officer, her sense of self, her sense of self-worth, everything. So I don't blame her at all for being so frightened of having Hannah back in town and back in Dexter's life in whatever capacity. Now, I've jumped about a bit. Let's step back a little because through the episode, Dexter sets out to find out why Hannah's back and why she's married this rich guy, played by British actor Julian Sands, who is a recognised actor. And, you know, let's go back. Well, I won't go over it again but remember the the law of was it the, what was the phrase the law of character economics when a character is played by a well-known actor julian sands is no noob to acting <laughs> and he's only in one episode and not just that was he wooden or what <laughs> that scene on the boat he was almost cartoonish <laughs> anyway hannah she's changed her name and seems to be living the high life. And it's funny to see Dexter react to seeing her with this man. There's definitely jealousy, something we've not seen from him before. There's a good scene when he's telling Deb about what he's found, and she calls him out. It's got to be operational. She needs a cover life. It's not like it's a real marriage. She can't actually love this guy. Oh, my God. You're still in love with her, aren't you? What? No. 
probably trying to kill me. Trust me. No one knows what it's like to fall in love with the wrong person more than I do. But you better get your fucking head on straight. She is everything that is wrong with our lives. She is a vortex. She is a black hole. She sucks everything into her being, leaving nothing behind. Oh boy, strong words there. Both of them affected by their own respective emotions. Dexter's voice is going up a bit when Deb said he's still in love with Hannah. And Deb, she's affected from three angles, I think. One, she was jealous of Hannah last year, jealous of their love and what it did to Dexter. Two, she's affected by the impact of Hannah on her own personal descent into the void. And three, Hannah tried to bloody kill her. <laughs> she's not on Deb's Christmas card list now or ever. And then Dexter, who has all these feelings coming back, conflicted because he surely knows the effect this will be having on Deb, even if he doesn't admit it. She says they've got to get Hannah out of their lives, but if Dexter gets back with Hannah over the next episode or two, he's not likely to want to get actively involved with doing that. So it could be up to Deb to do the deed, on her own, and if she does, what'll that do to Dexter? So, of course Deb's suspicious of how objective Dexter can be about this, quite reasonably. And she goes as far as planting a GPS tracker on his car, a plot point that brought us some scenes in Elway's office, Elway showing some fire, pissed off at Deb's erratic attitude. Yeah, he's, he's done a lot for her and asked for nothing in return, but he gave us some good verbal this week and she apologised. But can we discard any theories about Elway having a dark agenda? I don't know. There's still the matter of the jewels. I don't know. Are we going to have a scene late on in the season when Deb goes to check on the jewels under her bed and we get confirmation that not only did she really murder, murder El Sapo, but she also stole the jewels for herself? Dark Deb, anyone? I hope not. It would be a tragic path for this character to take. And I don't know if I'd want that for her. I wouldn't want that for Deb. We love Deb. So, back to Hannah, and Dexter finds out that her marriage isn't working out so well. It was convenient to start with, a way to get a new identity and live comfortably for a while. Sounds like she was reasonably honest with the guy, Miles, telling him about Dexter and her past. But she really is a black widow, isn't she? Wanting to have him killed. OK, he's controlling, possessive, follows her everywhere. For Hannah, she says she might as well be in prison, because if she tried to leave him, he'd turn her in. Of course, it turns out Miles really is following her, and knows that she met Dexter. Dexter gets jumped at his car, and a, gets a few kicks in the guts. I have to say I'm glad they didn't make Dexter all superhuman and have him fight them all off. We've seen him handle himself one-on-one -on -one before, but against more? They kept him human this week, and... It was realistic, and I appreciate that. But of course it worries Dexter that Hannah could now be in trouble too. And we cut to Miles' boats, and he's confronting Hannah about her meeting with Dexter. He turns all cliché, cartoony, nasty husband and gets physical, throwing her to the bed. I'm not sure what the implication was. We didn't see him hit her, but it looked like he was going to force himself on her or something. The whole tone was a bit nasty. Meanwhile, 
Dexter's on his way. I was thinking, I hope he doesn't get caught on CCTV, remembering uh, Marina Close Circuit TV on the show in the past. Season 2 springs straight to mind. But when he gets on the boat, he's too late. Hannah's already sat on the floor over Miles's corpse. Dexter's all cool and calm and collected and gives her a shopping list to get some things to help dispose of the body. But I was thinking, how messy this is going to get. Marina CCTV, I've mentioned, but they're going to dispose of someone quite high profile. Hannah's his wife. Miles goes missing for too long and the police will be after her again. They see photos of Miles' wife. Someone says, hang on, that's Hannah McKay. They look to see where his boat's docked, check the CCTV and see her and Dexter on there. It could all go to hell in no time. I suspect this won't happen, though, but in the real world it would. Real world like any of this would happen. <laughs> what am I saying? <laughs> it's a TV show. Ah, oh dear. And Dexter lets Hannah in on another aspect of his world disposing of a body and dumping it from the boat. The last bit witnessed by Deb sitting in her car. The look on her face was not good. I don't know if she saw them putting plastic bags of body parts on the boat, but she has an inkling now what Dexter does when he takes his boat out at night. At least Dex and Hannah weren't all huggy-huggy-kissy-kissy to indicate they'd got back together, as they haven't yet. Deb's face, though. There was hatred there. And I don't like the feeling I'm getting here. The options open to Deb this time last year are a lot more passive, or were a lot more passive, than those she might entertain now. This is a very different person. Her seeing Dexter getting ensnared by Hannah again, Deb will believe she has to handle this on her own. And who can say what she'll do? Regression seems a distinct possibility, and I don't think Deb will want to go back to that dark place again. So maybe she'll do anything she can to prevent that from happening and to hell with the to tell to hell with the risks if if Dexter ends up being pissed off with her then so be it you're listening to dissecting Dexter email your feedback to dissecting Dexter at gmail.com blood sometimes it sets my teeth on edge so that's the episode, and we did say a couple of weeks ago, with Vogel, Deb and Dexter on the boat together, happy families, yeah, like that's going to last. <laughs> and it looks like it, it's not going to last. In fact, I'd say it's, um, it's over. But where's Deb going to go from here? I have this terrible sense of impending doom. The looks from Deb and the tone of her voice it just doesn't feel good to me yeah it's it's already getting messy and it's going to get worse I think before we have any signs of it getting better but of course with the return of Hannah there's always a bit of controversy a bit of dissent amongst the audience and uh, let's hear what you guys have to say about it Listener Feedback uh, 
First up, Stephen Alice posted to the Facebook page to say, It seems to me that the writers have chosen a path that will sit okay with some, but not with others. So, the Hannah haters will hate the last episode. I personally don't think she is necessary for the final series, as we already have two new people to know about Dexter. He may love her, but where does it take the series? We all know it's the last series, so something has to happen to Dexter, otherwise the series would go on and on, because it's clear Dexter has not lost the lust for killing, albeit he has become more human. So this episode seems like a filler, and that is something we always get in Dexter, or have done for the last five years plus. What can we say is that there are now five episodes left, so let's crank up the tension and intrigue. Janelle Gaylard posted to Facebook and said, I was never a fan of Hannah, but I didn't really mind her coming back, much to my surprise. Do I care for her? No. Do I care what her being back is doing to Deb and Dex? Yes. Yes, she's dangerous, she's manipulative, but she obviously cares for Dex, and he for her. Who are we to deny Dex and Hannah a little bit of impossible love? It can't last. She will go and he will go on. A bittersweet reunion. Janelle... I think we all want Dexter to be happy in the end, or something close to it. And if he needs Hannah to achieve that, then so be it. However, I can't see Deb tolerating that. I agree with you. Hannah will go and Dexter will go on. Email from Jacob Newman. He writes to say, Obviously letting Zach Hamilton loose and thinking that he could teach him the code was a huge mistake which cost innocent Cassie her life. I think this is a terrible storyline that the writers concocted. It has been done before with disastrous results. Miguel Prado killed the innocent defence attorney in season three when Dexter tried to teach him how to do what he does. I know that Dexter did not try to teach Lumen the code in season five, but he did teach her how to do what he does. She rejected it because she's not a killer, and after she got her vengeance, her darkness was gone. There may have been another incidence, instance in the show when Dexter tried to teach someone else how to kill, only those who deserve it. Shouldn't Dexter have learned by now that he is not Harry, and the other person is not like him? He is unique. Now he's going to have to kill Zack, and it won't be easy, because after Cassie's murder, Quinn and probably Batista will want to arrest Zack. The murders are identical, and they know he's guilty. I know that Dr. Vogel has a lot of influence over Dexter, and I understand why she would want to try to teach Zack the code, but Dexter should have said no and killed Zack last week. Asserted some independence from Dr. Vogel. Now, I'm not crazy about any direction this storyline takes. Regarding Hannah, I like this storyline more. It creates tension between Dexter and Deb and also brings Deb and Elway together. I like the scenes with Deb and Elway and how they're growing closer. I hope she gives him a chance. I don't know what will happen if Elway finds out the truth about Dexter and Deborah. That's worth watching. And Hannah turned to someone who is not a killer, but has psychopathic tendencies, as Dr. Vogel said in episode 2. Don't think that he fit the code, but he did deserve to die, and Hannah killed him in self-defence, I think. OK. I'm happy for Masuka that Nikki forgave him, and that they're getting closer. There is hope for that relationship. And lastly, I think that Quinn is moving in with Jamie to get back at Angel. I think that it's more to spite Batista than out of love for Jamie. She's going to get hurt. Quinn is still in love with Deborah. I don't see that relationship ending well. All in all, a lacklustre episode. Not sure what the writers are building up to, but please get rid of Zack and focus on Hannah, Deb, Elway and Dexter. I'm glad to see Harry back. Thanks for that, Jacob. 
I've talked about Dexter being a one-off in my review and how his upbringing is very different to Zack's. In Zack's favour is his enthusiasm to learn from Dexter. However, he blew it when he killed Cassie. You're right, the M.O. is the same as Norma Rivera. Quinn will see this and go to Batista and ask to tell Zack again. Maybe through this, Zack will blow it further and approach Dexter, arousing Quinn's suspicions about him all over again. Perhaps we'll still get some Dexter in jeopardy this season. That would please the viewers. Another good point you make there about the mounting tension between Deb and Dexter. There is tension there, but not on Dexter's part. I do get this bad feeling about where it could lead, and let's be honest, if we want tension anywhere in the show, where would be more impactful than to have it between our two favourite characters? Another email, uh, this time from Ben Adams, who writes to say, It really confuses me as to how and when did Hannah get the chance to spike Deb and Dex, Dex's drinks and what it really achieved for the storyline. I know it left for a good cliffhanger, but as for why Hannah would do that left me a little confused. Zack Hamilton, I think, is a great additional character to the cast. I know a lot of people disregard Zack and mention Miguel as a reason for Dexter to not involve others in Harry's code, but like Lumen, I think it's justifying. Zack, although he's killing innocents, he partly killed for the love of his mother. I do wonder if Zack really killed Cassie. It may sound crazy to others, but if Deb still holds these feelings for Dex, then maybe her talk with Cassie led Deb to want to kill her. I think we're definitely going to see the demise of Deb's love for Dexter. I really feel Dexter's feelings for Hannah will push Deb overboard and send her on that emotional roller coaster we've all seen her through in those earlier episodes. I love the deja vu moments in this episode with Quinn being forced to stop investigating Zack. Very reminiscent of the time Dokes was told by LaGuerta to stop harassing Dexter. Masuka's daughter is really a sight to behold and I find it hilarious that as the sex grace as the sex-crazed perv he's been in previous seasons, how the dad part is coming out. Great episode and very promising for a great end season. Thanks, Ben. Good point about Hannah. Why does she need to drug Deb and Dex? Why alert Deb at all? She could have approached Dexter on the quiet. No need for any drugging. It's not like he'd have run a mile at the first sight of her. He'd have been intrigued as to why she's back and... They could have just had a chat about what she needed. Deb didn't actually have to know anything about it. However, that, of course, doesn't have as much dramatic impact on the show, does it? And the writers are probably using this as a catalyst for, to, uh, towards whatever's yet to come. Zack. He's not helping himself not fit the code, is he? Killing innocents like this. Norma Rivera at least had a connection to what his dad was doing and his mother's problems. Cassie was a complete impulse kill, unprovoked, no motive except a need to kill someone. Dexter might decide he can't risk leaving him running around, or he might take it as a cue that he can't leave him alone. He'll have to keep him very close and hold his hand, essentially. But that's not going to be easy with Deb so close and watching him. Thanks, Ben. Let's go to Germany now and a voicemail from Sandra. All right. I have to admit that now I want to see Deborah and Dexter come together as a couple. After almost throwing up when the topic was first addressed in season six, I now want this to happen. It occurred to me when Hannah reappeared. I'm all on Trevor's side now. I want her gone. The whole storyline annoyed me. 
Are we really expected to believe that slim Hannah dragged well-built Dexter to a car and then dumped him far away from the road? Is she now a superwoman? Then her whining about having to marry that guy for protection. And how bad he's treating her. Really? If he's so bad, why did you tell him all about yourself and Dexter? I want to do bad things with you. Why did she drug Deb and Dex? Is this the right start to asking a favor? Hey Dex, would you please kill my husband for me? I know you like doing it. And when he has her under surveillance, why didn't he know about the first encounter at Deborah's house? Then Dexter gets beaten up by three guys and just gets up afterwards and looks fine. Of course, Mr. Rich dies right away in the episode he was introduced to by Hannah's own hands. Superwoman strikes again. And of course, Dexter can walk onto a million-dollar boat, no problem. Because he lives in a parallel universe where there are no passwords on computers or alarm systems on houses. Do I sound mad? I am. And there's always an easy way out of problems, but that is not what I want to see on Dexter. They should have made an effort here. It's okay, son, to show what you're feeling. Why was Dexter asking for an axe? He disposed of him in one piece. And Bleach can get the blood out of the carpet? Oh yeah, then why didn't he use it on Harrison's dog? I don't want to know where this is going. I just don't care. I just could not buy Dexter in love, looking all like a dog, and teeny jealous Dexter. It just doesn't feel right. Elway finally loses his temper with Deborah. Excellent! That had to happen. You all seem to expect something big from Elway. I didn't because I don't know the actor. I bet he has a few hair care ads on TV. Zack is another storyline I could do without. I don't see the necessity to add the apprentice thing. Quinn is stalking him dokes-like. I really started to like Quinn, so they better give him something to do now. And I guess that Zack did not kill Cassie. He will end up on Dexter's table, and afterwards Dexter finds out that Oliver killed her, not Zack. You don't even walk like a normal person. You glide like a fucking lizard on ice. The only storyline I really liked was Masuka's. He was so funny in the restaurant, even though his daughter had no boobs to be embarrassed about. I have an idea for the Dexter spin-off. Masuka's Donations. Our main character, Vince Masuka, is confronted with the actions of his past when he was young and needed the money. In every episode, we meet a new child and they all share the laugh. <laughs> Hoping for a better episode. Thanks, Sandra. Good stuff. Some valid points there. I agree with you. How could Hannah have carried Dexter to a car in broad daylight? Has she the strength of an ox? And how come no one spotted her? This was in broad daylight. And also, you're right, we know Miles was having her followed, so why didn't he know about her going to Deb's house and dragging a grown man into her car? That would have sparked a few questions. Honestly, I suspect convenient writing. Same with Dexter getting on the boat so easily. We did see the crew wander off before he went aboard, so I guess that was the sum of his precautions. And the bleach. Was he going to bleach the carpet to erase the bloodstains? Might blot out the stains, but leave a massive white patch instead.
You're right, Sandra. Not very good, really. I hear your frustration. Back to the email bag now, and here's something of a rant from Alex in New York City, who says, There's a wonderful speech in Harlan Ellison's light-hearted sci-fi romp, I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream, that comes to mind while watching our latest instalment of Dexter. The speech itself is delivered by a psychotic supercomputer at the centre of the Earth that's committed near genocide of humanity, apart from the five humans he keeps locked up to sadistically torture for 109 years. But don't hold that against me. The topic is hatred. Hatred so all-encompassing, so simultaneously elemental and ascendant that it defies comprehension. Though with tonight's episode, I can feel the chill of its shadow passing over my heart. I hate Hannah McKay! The vortex, the black hole. The vortex and black hole of what? Oh, decent writing, sensible plotting, likability of main characters, memory, logic. You name it, it all falls into the uncanny valley and never manages to crawl out. How do you even begin to talk about this character without collapsing into contemptuous laughter? Marries a public figure with high media exposure in order to stay hidden. Walks around in public with said figure in the city where she staged a newsworthy escape from custody. Manages to poison Dexter and Deborah with her Mary Sue levels of competency and infiltration, espionage and poison ivy shenanigans but somehow isn't able to use her undetectable murder powers when the lazy plot requires the femme fatale to suddenly become a damsel. She's responsible for another cartoonishly villainous and dominant male problem for Dexter to play big dumb hero against. First was the one-off abusive father, now the one-off abusive husband who literally says back to back, I gave you everything, you belong to me. Even worse, they waste good actors on these cutouts. First Bobby, now the warlock. And how was it all resolved? How was the multimillionaire paranoid with constant surveillance and black jacket bruises at the ready taken care of? Oh, well, Dexter just walked onto his boat with no troubles after Hannah had already stabbed him. Dexter sends her on a shopping trip for bleach, bags and axe or saw, without letting the crew know, again verbatim, has her bring it back on the private yacht with the bloody corpse on the carpeted floor and then cut to body dump at sea and a recycled boat shop from season four. Problem? What problem? Constant cheap ploys for unearned sympathy, constant shallow, transparent plots. They're even forced to dance around the reason Dexter destroyed Hannah's life or betrayed her, as they'd have it. This woman tried to murder his sister and then lied to his face about it. And worse, was ready to spend the rest of her life with him under those circumstances. A life of constant deceit and built on betrayal. I mean, what the fuck? Don't get me wrong, this show's been bugging me again since the fourth episode this season, but this, this is drilling for new depths. And sorry for all this negativity. I hope it doesn't get you or your listeners down. I've held back a lot over the years. I've been a good sport in threading the needle when it comes to highlighting the positive qualities of Dexter, so I think I'm allowed this indulgence. I will say, with five episodes left, and as much as I have a fondness for the show, there exists, hidden away in the dark, vast reservoirs of venom. They keep this up to the end. I open the floodgates. Well, fucking hell, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you'd just say what's really on your mind rather than all this beating about the bush and make me shout to read emails. <laughs> that was some tirade. And obviously, 
I <laughs> that's all fine. It was some tirade, but like the other naysayers, you bring up very valid points, and I can't argue with you. I mean, it's not my job to be an apologist for the show. I'm not going to defend it when my heart is telling me otherwise, and honestly, I find it hard to defend it against your the points that you level at it. I do believe there is stuff to enjoy there, reasons to be concerned for the well-being of our main characters, and I've got this sense of growing unease that something very bad is developing in Deb. The look on her face this week, but in fairness it's not Deb your email's about, it's Hannah. One of the big problems last year was how Dexter forgot himself with her. His head was in a cloud brought on by love and it made him sloppy. We gave him plenty of stick for it last year. But by the doe-eyed puppy dog look on his face this week, he could go there again and... While I can trawl out the old how love makes fools of us or love makes us do crazy things cliches, they just won't wash a second time around. Come on, Dexter, wake up, mate. This woman tried to kill your sister. Thanks, Alex. I enjoyed reading that. Oh, I got all the, all the stress and tension from my working day out in just three minutes of reading your email. Thanks, dude. <laughs> Right, sticking with the email, Danielle Hawley from Australia has written to say, This episode ranks slightly above the previous one in terms of interest, but I have to say, the suspense just isn't there. Hannah's reappearance makes me feel like I'm watching season 7 again. You become used to each season having a special guest or a big bad that makes just the one appearance, and having her back has mixed up that formula. Perhaps she's necessary for what they have in store for Dexter. She is now conveniently single, and possibly very rich, with a nice big getaway boat on hand. I guess a lot of people are thinking of Argentina as a getaway destination. Not sure what the point of Zack is. Certainly I'm not interested in him. Possibly Dexter gets caught out by Quinn when he has Zack on the table for the second time. This event may precipitate Dexter's need to escape. Something I wanted to clear up is Dexter's apartment setup. I recall that he rented the next-door apartment so that he had more room for Harrison and Jamie, with the two, the two apartments interconnecting. But suddenly we have the beautiful neighbour living there. Another easy out for the writers, it seems. Waiting for excitement with anticipation. Only five episodes to go, so please hurry it up. Thanks, Danielle. I took your point about the next-door neighbour, because on the first watch it does look like Cassie was right next door. But in the scene when Zack walks away after banging on Dexter's door... It does look like there's another front door in the background between Cassie and Dexter's, so I think we're good on that one. I think we're all right. Good theory about Quinn. Like I was saying earlier, with Cassie dying in the same way as Norma Rivera, Quinn will surely be back on the case. Even if Matthews doesn't like it, Batista won't be able to ignore the similarity of M.O.'s. And if Quinn starts tailing Zack again, Dexter could well be back on the radar. There's definite potential for some good old-fashioned Dexter in Jeopardy there. Staying in Australia for um, another email, Claire McDowell has written to say, I feel like every episode they're laying down ways in which Dexter will be brought down. Will it be Harrison's toy with the blood on it? Will it be Zack or Quinn? Vogel or her husband, perhaps? Or even Deb? This episode, I thought maybe Dexter was going to make a mistake in relation to Hannah, and that that will be his undoing. I feel pretty sure he's going to end up dead, 
but that's not really based on anything more than the cover art for season 8 that shows Dexter with plastic over his face. If you look at the cover art of each season, it usually provides a pretty big clue to the theme and outcome of the season. It was interesting to see the cranky and, frankly, a little bit scary side of Deb's boss. I still think he killed that guy in the car, not Deb. He probably felt he was protecting Deb by doing this. I was glad to see the return of Dexter's Harry. Tracking down Hannah felt like the Dexter of old, and I think I've been missing that. Cassie being killed wasn't unexpected, but was still a little surprising somehow. I hope this is the undoing of Zack. Dexter, throughout the episode, seemed to be coming to the realisation that Zack learning the code was not going to work. At the end of the day, Zack isn't Dexter. The one thing that's really bothering me is Dexter's acceptance that he's killed the brain surgeon. We know he's too smart to ignore all the inconsistencies. I hope the writers are just playing with us and it's not a huge plot hole of the season. I share a lot of the listeners' feelings of unease about the season, but I still have faith that the writers have a huge ending planned for us, and in that respect... Sorry, I'll read that again. <laughs> I still have faith that the writers have a huge ending planned for us, and that in retrospect, we'll think that the final season of Dexter was excellent. Thanks for all your hard work on the podcast, and keep up the great work. Thanks, Claire. I've not mentioned Harry this week, and he's not been around for a few episodes. I also like seeing him again. It was a bit of a surprise to see him again after he'd been gone a while. And actually, I'd not noticed his absence until we saw him again. And I thought, oh yeah, he's been gone for a while, isn't he? But I don't know if there's anything to be read into why Dexter didn't speak to him for a while. Maybe they just didn't need him for that sort of narrative device. As for the brain surgeon, it does still look like we're expected to believe that Yates was two serial killers for the price of one... I'd still like it to be revisited and find out that the surgeon was someone else, but time's running out. Over to Facebook, where Randall John contacted me to say, how can anyone have a problem with the character of Hannah McKay? She's the most beautiful woman ever to grace a TV screen. I can understand how women would not like her, but Travis? He has issues. He wants Dexter for himself. I really hope Hannah and Dex end up in Argentina together at the end. Zack is starting to grow on me too. I really wouldn't mind a spin-off. Nice one, Randall. Hannah is certainly very easy on the eye, regardless of what Travis says about her teeth. <laughs> I've joked with him before that he's like Dexter's dad in that no one's good enough for my boy. <laughs> Interesting that you're starting to like Zack. As I've said, I personally have no sympathy for him at the moment, and little or none for Hannah, but I do care about the impact they have on the lives of Deb and Dex. Back to the emails, Sandy in Seattle writes, Don't hate me for this email, but I pretty much hate this season of Dexter. <gasps> I mean, it's gone way downhill for a while now, but I had some hope for the finale at least. I won't belabor each detail and add too much of a sour note here, but I dislike Vogel. It all seems too cheesy and I'm sick of hearing the word psychopath. I hate where Debbie's headed. She's suddenly fine with Dex and even toying with killing someone herself. Dex being a mentor again, in the final moments, is silly to me, especially all the talk about the code, as if it's a college course now. Didn't care at all about the neighbour, so don't care that she died. Never cared about the brain surgeon, or who it is. Never liked Hannah, so great, she's back. And Dex is nowhere near being caught or in trouble, other than the fact that so many people know about him now. That is where I wanted the tension to lie this season, him in danger. I even thought Deb may be the one to bring him down, but doesn't look like that now. 
Maybe she'll help him escape. Also, it's too weird that Harrison is suddenly way older and talking. And what's with the father-daughter relationship with Masuka and the girl? It seems way too flirty and it's creeping me out. I think that about covers it. Don't worry, I've still been tuning into your show to see what you and everyone else thinks. And since you mentioned it on Facebook, Breaking Bad is making me remember what an awesome show can be. And Dexter is not it anymore. For me at least. Sad to say, I almost didn't even watch this week, and I was actually multitasking and only half paying attention. Oh Sandy, what happened? Oh Sandy, <laughs> sounds like a line from Greece. <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, that was my best John Travolta impression there. John Travolta, circa 1978. <laughs> but like so many of us, you agree that the show's at its best when Dex is in danger, and at the moment, he isn't. However, potentially, danger is not too far away. It wouldn't take much for things to turn very ugly. Stick with it, Sandy. Actually, guys, have you noticed the gender shift this week? I have. The bias has moved to... A larger number of female feedback this week. Certainly nothing wrong with that, but it just struck me. <laughs> Hang on, I need to open the window. It's getting hot in here. There we go. <laughs> You're listening to Dissecting Dexter Live. Uh, right. The trend continues with an email from Linda Blosher in Germany. Who says, first of all, a big thank you for your great podcast. I'm a long-time listener from Germany, and I greatly appreciate the work you're doing. I try to stay clear of spoilers completely, which means I don't go to fan forums or read any message boards. This season is the first season that this is hard for me, because I really feel like I need to blow off some steam. Sure, there were low points in previous seasons, but there was always hope that the endgame was going to be great, after all, the writers had years to plan it, and Scott Buck was part of a team that wrote a great last season and terrific and satisfying ending for Six Feet Under. After watching the latest episode of Dexter, and comparing it to the marvellous Breaking Bad episode that I watched right afterwards, my trust in the writers is in a downward spiral. I think we all agree that the big questions of the show always were, will Dexter get caught, and or is he able to change and become fully human? In the beginning of this season, especially with the introduction of Dr. Vogel, it looked like answering these questions was going to be the focus of Season 8. I think I speak for a lot of listeners when I say that we expected Dexter to be in jeopardy like never before. But what are the questions at this point? Is Dexter going to be a spiritual father? Is he going to sail off to Argentina with his seemingly true love? Are Quinn and Jamie moving in together? And don't even get me started on the Masuka storyline that has nothing to do whatsoever with the main plot. At times I feel like I'm watching a soap opera. I don't care about Hannah or Zack. They're both totally unsympathetic in my opinion. I care about Dexter and Deb and the need formerly known as the Dark Passenger and whether they'll all live or die. I may be the only one, but I'm still not convinced that the brain surgeon storyline is over. After all, they made another reference to him this episode. My money is still on Richard Vogel. My other theory is that Zack didn't kill Cassie. Sure, they wanted us to believe that the moment Zack laid eyes on her, but wasn't that a little too obvious? Her new boyfriend, however, was strategically placed in the latest episode, in the last episode, in this one. But hey, maybe I'm just craving a twist. I hate to be so negative. I was always one to trust the show, but now that there are only five episodes left, I'm starting to get nervous. 
I hope they can still pull it off to give Dexter the ending it deserves. Thanks very much, Linda. You're right about the key long-term questions of the show. We still don't know the answers to them. But it did seem for a long while this season that Dexter and Vogel would be a key thread. And through that, we'd be exploring just how human he is or can be. This may still be revisited, but it's been on the back burner lately as Vogel pushes Dexter into becoming a teacher for Zack. See if her precious bloody code will work on someone else. And, you know, as I think about that now as I record this, I'm thinking, how arrogant of her. How arrogant of her. Professional arrogance. She's excited by the fact that her code has worked on Dexter. She wants to know if it'll work on someone else. Find out if the code is the key, or is Dexter just completely unique in being able to follow rules and channel his urges? Trying it on Zack is nice research for her to put this to the test. You know, I wouldn't be surprised at all if Dexter thought, sod this. I haven't got the time to hold Zack's hand and live my own life. He's killing innocents, he's got to go. But Linda, you're right that a chunk of this season has been soap opera-like. But then, haven't chunks of all the seasons been soap opera-like? Maybe with the exception of season one and two. The supporting characters have so often been kept busy with stuff like this. And I agree that Hannah or Zack are unsympathetic. Any sympathy for Hannah went out the window the, the minute she tried to kill Deb. The key for the show is Deb and Dexter, and what happens to them. I do think the ending will pack a punch, but it needs to be earned. And at the moment, the build-up has been sluggish. Honestly, though, my gut is telling me there is tension to come, but I just wish she did hurry up. We finish off now with a voicemail from Deanna in Alberta, Canada. Hey, Gareth. Well, I'm officially beginning to be worried the writers are messing up the final hours of our beloved Dexter. I keep telling myself to trust the show, wait until the final episode is aired to pass judgment. I'm worried, though, because the last three seasons have come out of the gate really strong and then stalled. That kind of seems like what's happened to this season. And don't get me wrong, there have been some great moments and characters in season five through eight, and I enjoyed it at, you know, at the time. But they weren't great in the way that the first four seasons could have been considered consistently good. Dexter Nod at its best is still superior to most of what's on network TV. But the writers had a real luxury here. They knew they had 24 episodes to bring their story to a close. Not often do TV writers know exactly how long they have to create and finish arcs. And the Dexter writers seem to be all over the place and treading over tired themes. They keep adding characters and plot complications. There are only five hours left, Lord Above. I will concede it must be hard to wrap up a show in a satisfactory way with legions of fans but they seem on a track to piss us off in the way Lost fans decry that finale. In the same way, when I started watching Lost, a friend told me to just stop watching after season two. At this point, if someone told me they were going to start watching Dexter, I would tell them to stop right at the end of season four. Dexter could have ended there, and it would have been a great ending to the show, I think. The stark contrast with the Breaking Bad episode that same night can't really be ignored. Maybe it was the marked difference in pacing between the two? Breaking Bad feels like it's racing towards an ending. Dexter feels like it could be any other season with another one to come. 
And now that I got that rant out, I will get into my yoga pose and keep chanting, trust the show, trust the show. When the season started, I wondered if Jamie might come across those discarded pics of Dexter in Quinn's drawer from Liddy. But I couldn't figure out a reason she would have for looking around in his drawers. So now that she might be moving in with Quinn, is she going to come across those pics? Show them to Batista? She's never been suspicious of Dexter up to this point, but I wonder if she'll have pillow talk with Quinn and find out Quinn's investigational target is Dex's new buddy. And the death of Cassie is likely going to shake Jamie next episode. Jamie knew her. She died right next door to her. Um... And I also have a strong feeling that Masuka's daughter, now that Masuka and her have worked things out, she's going to die. If she does, though, I'll be disappointed. It's been done a million times before. But while I was watching it, I got that she's going to die vibe. I'm thinking maybe Zack is going to see her somewhere and get all twitchy and kill her. Who knows? And the more I think about all those storylines... I'm more and more concerned. We get Zach, Elway, Deb, Masuka, Jamie, Quinn, Vogel, Hannah, the Cassie death, Harrison. How in the hell are they going to wrap this all up in five episodes? I really need to trust the show, trust the show. We'll wait and see next week. Bye, Gareth. Thanks for that, Deanna. The pacing of this season, you compare it to the opening of the final run for Breaking Bad. And it's perhaps unfortunate for us as fans of Dexter... Uh, or those of us who watch Breaking Bad as well, that the two aired on the same night, because it highlights the differences in, in the quality of writing. But to be fair, Breaking Bad is a very different kind of show. But they too had an end date planned well in advance, like Dexter. Having that is a great luxury in serialised TV, a wonderful gift for the writers to plan and pace a proper solid ending. Although... There is precedent of shows that do have an end date planned well in advance and the writers have still managed to cock it up. So maybe we should be a little bit worried. I'm I'm thinking of Lost. Breaking Bad. You see, the episode this week felt like they were pushing on, not wasting any time, pressing onwards towards the ending. Well, this season on Dexter, there's been no sense of urgency so far. No dramatic, steady building of tension. Perhaps the key arc will end up being the decline and rise and decline of Deb, a kind of roller coaster, with Hannah's return marking the start of a relapse. But we've been saying for a while that this hasn't so far felt like a final season, with new characters coming in, others returning, along with plenty of old characters still around, plus Deb and Dexter. There is a lot to tie up, isn't there? Finally, a Facebook entry from Scott Singleton, who says... Not sure what you all wanted from this season. I think no matter what the writers came up with, people would complain. Don't compare this with Breaking Bad. Two totally different shows. Look back at seasons before, and you see Dexter really hasn't changed much at all with the way it's been written. My wife and I love this season. Thanks for speaking out, Scott. There's a lot of negativity around now, and I think it just stems from people being disappointed at the lack of tension. But the old adage is you can't please all the people all of the time. (laughs) This is the final season, but you're right to say the writing has not really been any different now to other seasons, except perhaps for seasons one and two. Every season had its slack parts, weaker episodes or weaker storylines. So with that in mind, was this season going to be any different? Perhaps not. 
but I think we could fairly argue that it really should be. This is the final season. We keep saying this. Definitely don't compare it to Breaking Bad. As I say, different show entirely, but it is an example of strong writing and a clear arc. Dexter's suffered from seasons of treading water and not making any progress. Things got into gear once they had an end date and got to pull the trigger on the final major, major storyline of Deb's discovery. It's true. While we've had moments, there hasn't been the constant sense of danger this year. Something we might have expected of in a final season. The net closing in. Dexter in jeopardy. It's just not happened. I still think it will, but it's evidently not going to be the prolonged threat that a lot of us had hoped for. Thanks, Scott, and thanks everybody who's emailed or called in or Facebooked this week. And if you want to get in touch, you may, of course. The listener lines in the US, it is 646-222-6122. In the UK, 0844-579-6949. And you enter mailbox 08320 when the voice prompts you. There's also email, dissectingdexter at gmail.com where you can also send an mp3 voice recording or any kind of voice recording format really I, I should be able to do something with uh, just about any format there's also twitter at dissect dexter and the facebook page we do actually now have a, a, a url for the facebook page something i should have set up a long time ago www.facebook.com slash dissecting dexter hold it stop press Last minute bit of feedback has just come in, just as I was about to lock in the edit for this week's podcast. Uh, my email went ping, and in came a voicemail. No time for me to comment on it, but um, I'm happy to be able to include it into the podcast. So thanks very much, Ian Sedgwick in Bristol, for this voicemail. Um, so these are my general comments for the last few episodes, and I just wanted to focus a little bit on episode 7 too. Um, have the production team just given up on the storylines in the first five episodes? Um, there were several hanging threads which have not been tidied up uh, and been left hanging. Um, a very thick line seems to have been drawn between the first part of the season and the remainder as if they're, they're totally different seasons. It seems very clunky writing to me. Um, moving on to episode 7, H Hannah returned and within the same episode we have the reveal that she's married. She also manages to kill off her husband um, and, it, and become very rich at the same time. It seems very odd that Hannah should escape... Um, and then stay in Miami, where she's obviously known and, and wanted. Why didn't she just disappear to at least a different state where she wasn't known? Very odd. I, I, I doubt there will be any repercussions of this. The writers are just going to quietly drop this storyline, I'm sure, like they have all the other ones. Um, I'm not feeling particularly confident for a good ending to this particular series of Dexter. The writing to me seems quite messy um, and not really ending the storyline that they're starting. Uh, I think the writers are getting distracted by other things, and that leads me on to, I guess, the main main point I wanted to talk about, which was I've not read any rumours or spoilers, and I've not listened to the Dissecting Dexter Episode 6 podcast yet. Um, but it's become very obvious to me, um, just over the last couple of episodes, that they're building up all the secondary characters ready for a, a spin-off series. Um, I don't know if that's been confirmed yet, but it, it looks like they're doing all the groundwork. Um, it looks like they're introducing Zack as a substitute for Dexter. Um, now, I don't think Zack has the same charisma that Dexter has, but I guess we've only seen him in, in a few episodes. Um, he's got time to grow. Um, the only thing that concerns me really is he seems quite young and he seems a little bit one direction for my taste. Perhaps they're going for a teeny audience, I don't know. 
Um, the plus side of, of what the writers are doing is we're getting Masuka and Quinn uh, are getting built up as, as characters, uh, and Masuka is definitely getting more lines. I assume both of these characters have been signed up for the next series, um, so obviously their characters need more depth. Um, on to Masuka quickly. Seeing that his daughter wasn't interested particularly by the job in the forensics lab, she preferred to work in the restaurant. Um, I wonder if Zach will take the role instead, after Dexter said that he should get a job to, to cover. Um, that will make it easier for Quinn to monitor him. In fact, it will be similar dynamics to the one between Dokes and Dexter in the early seasons, with um, Dokes um, knowing that Dexter was guilty of something but not being able to pin it down. And I guess the, the, you know, the new series of Dexter 2, or whatever you want to call it, it will be Quinn knowing that Zack's done something and not being able to pin him, him down either. Um, quote of the day was from Masuka in the restaurant, daughter boobs. Um, every father who has a teenage daughter um, <laughs> knows how Masuka felt exactly then. Um, it's quite funny. Um, finally, um, I, I don't want to sound too negative about this series. Um, there's still lots to enjoy, um, but I'm, I'm worried that I'm going to be disappointed by the ending. Um, it's not going to go out on the high that I, I hoped for. I think it's going to be a bit of a wet squib, uh, but we'll, we'll just wait and see. Oh, well, Gareth, thanks for continuing the podcast, and I look forward to hearing the next one. Goodbye. It was inevitable that not everyone would like this final season, at least not all of it. We all had our own personal expectations and wishes for it. Sarah Colleton, producer, has come out and said they're really pleased with the, with the show's ending, but they expect that there'll be some fans who don't like it. It's not the first show to have come out and say this. Remember Lost, for example. But I hope that however they end it, even if we don't like what they do, we'll at least be able to see how it works dramatically and buy into it and it'll make sense. Personally, I'm at a point now of the season where, as you've probably gathered from my responses to your feedback, I have a sense of unease about the season. I was hoping for more this season and I've been a bit disappointed. I mean, as an average Dexter season, it's been fine. But, you know, I just hope the report card at the end of the season isn't could do better so on that note (laughs) I'll bring this podcast to a close and say thanks very much for listening thanks very much for your support Uh, and and thanks particularly for your support on the Facebook page uh, this last week you know what I'm talking about Um, I know it it might have backfired a little bit for some of you Um, and I'm very sorry about that but your support means a lot to me and you know, sincerely, thanks guys. It means a lot to me. And until we can dissect some more Dexter together, which will only be another week, don't worry. Take care guys, speak to you soon. <laughs>